Uh, reality TV. Uh, what I thought was reality TV. I have been wanting to be on reality TV in some form or like fake reality TV, any kind of reality TV my entire life. Kids Incorporated was my favorite show. Full fucking stop. Mickey Mouse Club, get out of here. I would like race home after <laughs> kindergarten and first grade and watch it. And I knew I could outsing and outjoke all of them. Brittany, Justin, all of them. Maybe not outdance them, but I knew that I was more charming and I knew I could sing better than them. But there was no way in fucking hell my parents were going to pack up their life in Marin and hightail it to Florida for me to be a famous kid star. But the funny thing is, is that they did hightail it from Marin to Florida. And as I'm saying all of this and as I'm reliving all of these emotions, I realized that maybe my rage for them moving to Florida for what felt like no reason at all is coming from the fact that they wouldn't move to Orlando for me to be a Mickey Mouse star. I hate the fact that it is so hard to get to Florida. I don't understand Florida, and I don't like the food in Florida. I'm sorry. Anyway, my first real encounter with a reality TV star was in the eighth grade. I got an internship at a local radio show in San Francisco, and Irene, the chick from the Seattle real world that had Lyme disease that got slapped in the face after she threw Stefan's beloved teddy bear in the icy, icy harbor of Seattle, was also working there and getting a job. She was, I think, getting her master's at SFSU in broadcast journalism, which is pretty funny because I ended up going to SFSU for journalism as well. Anyway, I got a little show called Liz on the Loose, where I would interview shopkeepers and patrons all around the city in Chinatown and the Sunset, Union Street, the whole thing. And then I would do like errands for producers. One of the editors, an older guy, which I think he was probably in his 20s, but when you're in eighth grade, people that are in their 20s might as well be like in their 50s because everybody just seems old. Anyway, he asked me if I wanted to smoke a cigarette on the basketball court of the elementary school behind the studio, and he got really fucking creepy with me and rubbed my leg, and he kissed me, and I panicked, and I grabbed my Kate Spade bag off my desk, and I dipped the fuck out of that office, and I never went back. Anyway. I find the reality stars that last in our memories really interesting, actually. Like, what constitutes a fan favorite? Because as we've seen with the Housewives, NeNe Leakes, or even Lisa Barlow, they're not always the nice ones that we gravitate towards. But there's something about them that makes us want to watch and get to know them and, like, get drunk with them, right? I find myself now, at 37 years old, knowing a lot of reality stars and at the very least being friends on the internet with a lot of reality stars. Mercedes Javid, aka MJ, is someone who I had been chatting with for the last couple of years on Instagram. And honestly, I have only heard the most incredible things about her. I've heard she's super cool. She's super normal. Taylor Strecker loves her. Like, I knew it was great. And she didn't disappoint. We decided to finally link up in person. Actually, it was the day that I was handing off my keys for my apartment as we moved into the house. And MJ and I had such a great time that I turned off my phone to airplane mode and forgot to go pick up my dog and almost got divorced. So MJ, if you're listening to this, holy shit, I'm glad we had such a good time. But oops, um, I will never put my phone on airplane mode ever again. And actually, we talked for so long like an hour plus, if you want to listen to the full episode and watch the full video, head over to my Patreon because I uploaded it there. Anyway, MJ is such an OG. And what I loved about her and truly what I loved about Shaws of Sunset in general was how raw it was, how real it was, how messy it was. And, you know, MJ was criticized and beloved at the same time. And I think that's what really makes a true fan favorite. It's what I'm doing. It's my mom. It's my boyfriend. It's my right. dating life. It's like my mustache, my whatever, like the hair on the small of my back. Like I don't that's kind of metaphoric because mm -hmm. I don't I I don't have any. I don't know where it went because I'm Persian. So obviously. Um, but like I just think it was a really cool time where like people didn't, let's say, self-produce like right now, let's say the Housewives of Dubai sure. is like the newest one. 
So they've all binged every housewife show and they are seeing the opportunity in this completely different way. Right. Right. So when I started on reality TV, I was just like, oh, you want to follow me around with the camera? Okay, let's go. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so funny. I have never been on reality TV. Actually, my wife says I would be so boring and so lame, which no, I was like, wouldn't. really? I think I'd be no, sort wouldn't. of fun. I think you um, would too. But I was courted to be on The Real L Word. Do you remember that show on oh, Showtime? Yes, I do. And I was at the Abbey one night and these produ- like field producers were just, yeah. like, just ordering us drinks. I didn't know who they were. I'm like, oh, these people seem nice. Then I get a phone call the next morning. They're like, hey, this is Dan from last night at the Abbey. And I'm like, okay, Dan, I like blacked out. I don't know who the fuck you are. Like, what? Did we fuck? Just kidding. That's not funny. You can keep it because it's real. Who's going to be offended? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Dan. (laughs) Dan. No, and he's like, yeah, we'd love to talk to you about becoming a cast member on The Real L Word. And at the time, it was so, and that's a real, that was a real, that was 11 years ago. And I was just like, oh my God. I don't know. Can I do it with my job? It ended up not working out. I actually wasn't even out at the time. So I was like, do I really want to come out on Showtime? No, I do not. No. The answer is a resounding no. No. Um, so I didn't do it. But I it was that time. And I have obviously many friends who've done reality and they're like, yeah, it is you're right. It's this it's so um, polished now. Yeah. And not that that's a, necessarily a bad thing, but I do kind of miss the like the real world those real, you know, those episodes of Shaws of Sunset the where it's like you got a show because you're really interesting and funny oh, and like yes. cool and you guys were who you were. And you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm very, very proud of this like unassuming person that I was. I didn't know that people image craft. I didn't know. Yeah. I was really lucky growing up in a place where it wasn't L.A., it was Virginia. So I grew up in a place where people were fully allowed to be themselves and develop into a whole entire human being with very little to no peer pressure or keeping up with the Joneses. So I felt like I was just, I'm, I'm, let me say it like this. I'm very proud now that I was talking about things that were a stigma and now are not stigmatized anymore. Like I'm glad that IVF is now much more commonly spoken about. When I was spreading my legs for the first time to check my fertility with cameras rolling, not having any idea, like really was I fertile or infertile? Was it too late? I was in my late 30s and like who knew? Or just like all of the things with family and body positivity and confidence and like being able to wear whatever I wanted to. It didn't matter what size I was. And I was on TV and you know, the camera does not do you any favors <laughs> but like there were a lot of things like just culturally yeah and for women and just being more um self-confident and embracing yourself and being unapologetically yourself in a way like those things were not there weren't a lot of those roles out in the world for us to see no they're 10 12 years ago not at all and i mean i grew up Shout out to David Bakshi. I don't know if you're. Shout out David Bakshi. I think you live in LA now. Um, we have the same birthday, but which is when? July 9th. Oh, happy birthday! Aren't you birthday. a Cancer too? I'm a Leo. Leo, when's your birthday? Right you. On the 16th. What's today? The 11th. <gasps> 12th. 12th. Oh my God, my birthday's in four days, and I didn't even realize it. Why? Because I'm really, I'm so overwhelmed with like work, baby, everything, husband, yeah. podcast. All the things Till that I was death. complaining about. I should have mentioned that earlier. Sorry. Oh, no. It's okay. I know. Till the dirt. Till the dirt. Oh, my God. It's okay. Ah. No. Till death okay. do you till death. Till death do we part. Well, that's what he meant by that. When Tommy came up with the, yeah. the pod. It's a good name. He was like, till the dirt, honey. It's you and me, baby. And I love the like, lo- it's, it's great. Thank it's you. really, really great. So, yeah, you were saying, wait, you were saying David Bakshi. David Bakshi. Bakshi. He is Persian. Okay. I grew up with a. I grew up in Marin County. Oh my god, I love Marin. And there's like, I grew up really lucky with a ton of Persian friends. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, they're smart, also. super smart. Yeah, everyone like, like really, really smart. Yeah. gorgeous. Mo- like the mother. I mean, <laughs> I just remember being like, may I please go to David Bakshi's house? His mom is like the nicest person on the planet and just stunning. Just like really loving family. You know what I mean? Like, 
I didn't think anything of it because it's like I grew up in California it was the norm. and it was normal for me. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people in Virginia or maybe not in these pockets where there's a lot of Persian people in their community, they might not know. And I think like it was a big deal for you guys to be on air. And you know what right. I mean? Like people didn't like they might not know or they might have all of these like terrible stereotypes. And also, of course, like it really came down to our grind. Like the show was about following our dreams, our grind, our struggles. And the reason why it was so awesome is because someone at home was tuning in because they were going through it and they were relating to it. They had similar parents, similar, you know, turmoil. And there was definitely someone, more than one of us that you can like tune in and laugh with and like cry with. And that is, that is probably what we need to see more on TV. Like these Mm. days, like reality is like fun because it's like quippy, quippy and like very fashionable and over the top. But like what what I don't like to see, and I'm sure you agree, is like I don't like to see the people that are overextending themselves to turn it on for television. Like this isn't really what I can afford to do, but I'm going to do it because I've got to like, yeah, like level up and you know, for instance, like, I'll, don't you think, with all due respect to Kyle Richards as a really mm. easy example, okay. that the Housewives of Beverly Hills, they all used to dress very normal. Very normal. Very normal. And then as soon as Erica Jane and Dorit came on, the game was changed forever. Forever. Like, nobody could show up without a stylist and like, had to tow like Dior and like, where did you even get these? They don't come out until two I seasons I deal with from it now. with Leah. I mean, and I hear it all even yeah. with her. She's like, girl, like I have to have full glam. I have to pay for it. You know, yes. I have to figure out the clothes. I mean, I do yes. love that Leah like doesn't always glam out or she is. She doesn't even need any fucking makeup. Right. She's but a lot more. She'll real wear than... normal clothes. Yeah. But yeah, the Beverly Hills stuff has gotten to the point where it for me, it's too it's almost too much i'm like you know you're it's wearing it's, on its own yeah. form. like we're not watching a tv show for the content of the show anymore because the content is like sutton might have said something to upset someone else right. or you know like that's not the substance that we're watching but we're really watching for the visuals like it's 100 the optics are next level like i mean i'm in awe of the way that like the first time that you see like that eyeshadow on on Erica Jane, like I haven't seen that like shadowing on the inside of the bridge of the nose. Like I'm like, that's insane. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Uh, well, now we all know <laughs> how much she paid for her glam and how much she can't afford it anymore and all of that crazy yeah. stuff, which well, sucks. That's, there, there we go. So like people are like overexerting themselves, overextending themselves to like make it look good for TV. And then we were just, you know, Reza was sharing his story about being a gay Middle Eastern. I was sharing my many struggles of being a woman and navigating from, you know, like, first of all, I struggled with body, with my relationship with my mom, with fertility. Will I ever find my partner, my person? Will we ever be able to get married? Will it be too late? I mean, all of these are things that women and hello, my career. The reason why I was people were interested in following me was because I prioritized my career and my education over everything else. Right. And I didn't care about family. And I'll tell you, there is, it's, that's, that's probably one of the most important things that a woman goes through these days is like, we all need to live our lives and have a whole twenties and thirties before we Start thinking about starting. It's a what family. I'm in right now. I just turned 37 and I'm like, fuck, everyone's like, when are you having a kid? When are you having a kid? <laughs> and I have to be honest, I'm well, I'm very terrified about being physically pregnant. That's I am not worried about Me too. I was too. Were you? The worst fear. Because I'm not I was a nanny. So having a kid is not a problem. If I meet your son, he will love me. It's I have that weird thing where I think I treat him mean, keep him keen. Kids like <laughs> love me. I'll be like kick rocks. You don't kid. do the baby. Yeah, you don't do the baby. I don't talk. do the baby talk at all. And I uh-huh. think they're like, you're 
you're an adult. Different. But you're different. <laughs> like, they'll follow me around. Like, I'm not worried about any of that. Uh-huh. It's the pregnancy part. But also, I'm like, shit, am I fertile? I have to start that journey that you did. Mm-hmm. And who knows? You know what I mean? And it's always that assumption. Like, oh, yeah, when you will have a kid. And I've actually been correcting people recently. And I'm like, well, we have to see. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, Bad if feeling. I'm lucky, you know, because I think I don't want to discredit all, pretty much all of my friends that have had fertility issues because right. people really do go through it, you know? Well, and I'm, But I'm also like, shit, well, I'm starting this show. Mm-hmm. I like to travel. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm not that boring and I can get on reality TV. I don't even know what the Absolutely show would be. You what can. would the show be? Like, what show would I be on on reality TV? I'm not a rich housewife. If I were a TV producer, and maybe I will be right after this because okay. of you, like... <laughs> I would I would turn your social into the TV show. That's what I would do. You know, what's so funny is like like the day in the life. You were amazing. So I was sitting at Izakaya on third with Leah. (laughs) Okay, And I'm like, fuck, dude. She was like, how many followers do you have? This is a stupid conversation, but you're a part of it. So important. Yeah. And it was before the everyone got the swipe up to the link. And I was like, I'm at like nine thousand. And Leah was like, how the fuck do you only? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It just is what it is. And she's like, oh, I'm going to tell my followers to follow you. And you did the same. Do you remember? remember You were like, follow Liz. And now I'm still only at 11. I don't know. But now you have the swipe up. I do have the swipe up. I can't get verified. It's a whole thing. I know. It's but also Instagram. I I know. But what am I going to do? I I need it. So do you know how to do it? Do you know you just request verification through the app? I keep getting declined. Just keep doing it. Don't worry. Everyone's like, also this is create crazy. Some, create some of your own imposter accounts. I did. And create some fan accounts. No, I mean, I actually didn't create an imposter account. I have one. And you want to know what the name was? It's so, somebody did it to me it's when I was getting brand deals. Lully. No, it was Liz Listen Kelly. to Lies. Oh <laughs> my God. Which is amazing. It's actually oh, amazing. And I great. wrote them and I was like, first of all, fuck you because That's you're trying amazing. to like fuck up my brand deals right now. Oh, but second- God. You are so funny for this. Brilliant. Hire them. Yeah, like, where's that fool? They're probably verified. But yeah, I think the, the kid thing, it's, it's tough. I, um, and I, you're right. You really showed, I think, a full spectrum of what it is to be a woman, regardless of if you live in California or if you li- live in England or wherever. No I think, matter where yeah. you live. The story is so universal, but we all want to meet our person. Yep. We all want to have a sense of purpose, which means mostly career. Right. Right. Yes. And then after you really put so many feathers in your cap, so to speak, that you can say, okay, let's now shift to becoming a family person. Then like having the baby later in life is a gift because then you really spend your time with being a mom. You know I love anything with high-quality CBD in it, and I recently tried PlantWise Relax and Rest to help with some of my sleep issues after a friend told me she's been getting the best sleep of her life after using it for a month. It has really effective natural ingredients that don't knock you out or make you feel groggy in the morning. I love it. Gets me the best night's sleep I've ever had. Go to getplantwise.com and use code listen to liz 20 for 20% off. I know I get annoying about like industry talk. I feel like some of you guys like the industry talk. That's why you come to me. But I talk a lot about like people behind the scenes of shows, the agents, the publicists, the makeup, hair, all of it. Because, well, I live it and I know it. And I actually can't watch film and TV without thinking about it. We're here, a reality show on HBO Max, which, by the way, is coming back on November 25th, is literally one of Rachel and my favorite, favorite shows. I always end up sobbing. It's so entertaining. It truly is a fantastic show. Eureka O'Hara, Bob the Drag Queen, and Shangela head to, like, American towns everywhere, and they find their new drag children. And it's always about, like mending fences or understanding the queer community in a better way. There's a lot of very real talk about racism and homophobia and transphobia in this country. And I think it really humanizes um, conflict and learning. And I just I love the show. Anyway, 
I have had the pleasure of interviewing Shangela and Bob the Drag Queen, but I have been trying for the life of me for years to get to Eureka O'Hara. And thanks to, speaking of people behind the scenes, Ken Phillips, PR like guru extraordinaire to the LGBTQI plus community, we finally got to talk. And I love Eureka. I knew, I was hoping, I was hoping Eureka would be exactly what I thought she would be. And that is warm and funny and honest and like normal and cool. And that's everything that she was. I've heard that your crew on We're Here is like the best ever. Can you confirm or deny? Yeah, I can confirm that. The crew that I work with on We're Here is literally, you know, it's just a team of queer and diverse and heteronormative people that just get it. Yeah. By the third season at this point, even the straight men that on like, let's say season one, were like, oh yeah, drag, this seems cool. Like we fully get what this is happening. They're fully like, yes, queen, gaga, okay, mama. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and fully fighting strangers for us. Like they love us so much, you know? It's just such a blessing to work with any of them. I think it really resonates. And I think it's the same thing with the L word, you know? Like, I know Marja. I know a lot of the writers. And uh, I, I know a lot of them. And the directors. Gender. And uh, and it really, uh, I think when you do actually have, I think some people, I, again, we're so industry, right? Like, this is our life. Yeah. We work and live entertainment. And I think also I, LOL while you list your exes on the LOL. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but you know what I mean. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. But I think you know, and I love sharing with my listeners kind of like what it's like to work in the industry. I think they come to me a lot for that because I'm always like, "Yo, this is real. This isn't real. This is this is what it is. This is what it's not." But I think when people don't realize that sometimes when they resonate with a show so much, it is because of actually like the set or the people that are behind the scenes. If that is really real and cool and like not bullshit, it resonates through the finished product. Oh, you know, when you have really a family does. behind the scenes, if you've got a family behind the scenes, then you've got a family on camera, period. Yeah. And if you don't, then you don't, you know? I think I've been lucky to work with several shows like that. World of Wonder is the same way. Like, it's so queer-based. Like, that's what makes Drag Race so good is because it's just a bunch of gay people making gay shit. It's true. You know, and what makes We're Here so great is because we're there's so many allies and queer people and diversity and color, and there's just so many different minds that actually have a say in how things are done that it's like, that's why it's pushing the the envelope and it's creating a mold on diversity queer television right now. And it's so educational and it's probably top tier drag. Honestly, I have to say, I love drag race, but bitch, the girls and our daughters and our teams, we be doing probably some of the best drag on television right now. Period. I, I, first of all, correct. I mean, that the production that you guys are able to put together in, you know, wherever, wherever it is. I mean, oh, in the middle of nowhere, it's nuts. The stages, I mean, the makeup, the clothes, it's really, you're right. I, I, I would argue that we're here is like top, 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 top notch. And it's so some of the best drag on TV period. Correct. Yeah, correct. for sure. I agree. And also I Thank always, you. you're welcome, but it's true. Like, Full stop. It is true. And I love that the weave. And I think what it does is it really shows people that, sure, we all love a drag brunch, like Jesus Christ, like all these ladies yeah, love to go, you know, it's, and it's so much fun. And it's a great way to support not only the community, but really art, right? But it, the storytelling and like the songs that are chosen. I mean, I, I again, I am like such a huge fan. Do you have a favorite episode? I know that's like picking your children. Um, well, literally, it's picking your no, children. No, yeah, literally picking my children. But I have to say, you know, it is going to be so cheesy. But the first episode of the whole series in Gettysburg will always live to this day be my favorite episode. A good one. It was just like getting to work with free mom hugs. You know, it, it resonated so close to my own experiences with my mother and being able to share that. 
you know, when we filmed that, it was six months after my mother had passed away. So I needed that nourishing moment. And just when I tell you that episode was us seeing if this was going to work or not, like it was 120 degrees in this venue that we did the show in. And it was haunted by this, this ghost that Bob That's named right. George, I think, or will I can't remember his name. Um, you know, so it was just such an experience that like, it was just us literally testing out how is this going to work? And it somehow came together and it's what made us realize what we were doing, why we're, we were there and how it became, dare I say it, we're here. Um, and I'm doing some touring, but I'm, you know, I'm waiting to really tour for like when I'm ready to like just put on the only tour, which is going to be called Riga's Castle at some point. And I am working on one for the year, but I just don't know when yet. I'm doing some touring, but as far as a tour, I'm not sure yet. First I'm still getting my ducks in a row. I like working in TV too much. I like do. having, I like having my alone time with my roommate's cat, you know? I, what's I, the cat's name? Johnny, and he's fat and adorable. And my roommate puts the little bows on him, and he's so cute and Stop. cuddly. It's just ridiculous. Well, and that's the thing with TV is like those again. It, that really prevents you from touring. You're right. Like you've got to be, you know, available. And that, and when the tour comes, it's like that's also a whole uh, a whole can of worms. I love Eureka's Castle. What a throwback. Awesome. Thank you. I know. <laughs> and my dream, honestly, is to just be the next, well, not the next, but I want to be the queer trans version of Chris Farley that the TV and film industry needs wow. in this world. And that is my dream. So acting and being in TV and film and is really my, my um, passion project. And I really want to play Divine in a biopic that I really want to make that I'm working so hard on trying to get done that I'm never supposed to talk about, but I mention it all the time because it's from my mouth to goddess's ears, honey, because it needs to happen. I find that if you don't talk about things and if you hide them or you hold them to, because I think we do that, right? As artists and performers, we're like, oh, I really have this idea and it's my dream. And if, if I talk about it, someone's going to steal it. Or if I, if I talk yeah. about it, then I sound stupid because it's not really hap quote happening yet. But I actually think you got to keep talking about it because if you don't, then sometimes you second guess it. It'll go away. I agree. And I promise you, I am not second guessing this because I want to do, I wish I could tell you all about it, but then I probably would get a phone call. But, um, <laughs> and you know, and it's just a passion love project because it's what the world needs. And then, you know, I'm working on a, a song release that I did with Sarah Potenza and, Katie Caden from The Voice. Um, Katie Caden, she should have won her year, to be honest. She was like first runner up. And I know how that feels. But I think she just didn't get that East Coast, you know, country boy vote that the other guy did that won. But she should have won. But she was that big, beautiful singer that inspired me also to write the song called Big Mama, um, which was also inspired by my mom and my grandmother who raised me and taught me how to love unconditionally. and love with laughter and you know we all have those people in our lives that are um that have that big mama spirit that doesn't have to be a big woman it can be an uncle or a brother or a cousin or someone not even blood related it can be chosen family and um so i'm really excited about that launch this year so we are doing like a premiere party at heart we ho in west hollywood on november 19th we're gonna do like a full red carpet moment do a little you know pro like body positive show and then show the video at the end of the show. And they're going to get to see it before it releases on December 6th. So they're going to get to see it like literally two and a half weeks in advance before the whole world gets to see it. Wait, can I invite so myself really to excited. that since I'm in LA? Um, oh, you're invited on period poo. Okay? Excuse me, Ken, who's listening. <laughs> um, excuse me. I'm coming to that. Thank you very much. <laughs> also, my wife will, she's a fan favorite. She's like, one of those people that she doesn't really have social media, but she's like in the background of my, she's like Wilson, you know, from home improvement. Um, and people, oh my love, God. And people just love got, to meet her. I love Wilson reference because I just got a house in Vegas. Um, you know, I have a place in LA, but I got a house in Vegas just to have like a 
Congrats. Face. Congrats. And the neighbor fully looks over the wall and says hi, just like Wilson. Well, um, we will be there November 19th. Boop, boop, boop. Putting that in my calendar because I will die. And I want to hear the song and I want to see the video. And that's amazing. It's funny. Speaking of my wife, she has a theory that it's better to not win your like season of drag race. Like she actually is like, no, I don't, I don't think it's good. I think it's better to be a fan favorite like you or like in the top five. And then you have more opportunities. Do you think that's true? You know, honestly, I love a crown. Well, fair, fair, fair. Okay. As an individual, as a trans individual, as a person of difference. But my cards were played out to where I needed to create a crown for myself. And I just started building my own castle. And it's called Eureka's Castle, bitch. And it's going to be the fiercest, baddest, most diva castle ever. Who would be, if you're, you're performing on stage, you're singing your new song, you look out into the crowd, who is someone that you would like die to see fangirling over you um alive or not <laughs> oh i know that's actually okay alive alive okay so that's because that does definitely change it up correct um can i do you can do a few okay i'm gonna top uh, can i do a top three sure because my number one right now just because of who she is and her empowerment is gonna have to be lizzo Mm. Um, you know, she's just done so much for the plus size community, especially females and trans community. Her song, Like a Girl, is literally, I feel like, written for trans representation. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but if you get a chance to, it's literally talking about if you feel like a girl, then you're a real girl. It's lyrics in her song. You know, if you cry like a girl, if, and I just think that's so powerful. Yeah. Um, and I think that could be taken in either way, whether it's girl or boy. I think so. Um, Lizzo for sure. I think otherwise it would be, you know, wildly enough, Melissa McCarthy. I would lose my fucking shit if she was in the audience fangirling over me. And I think the other one would be mm, Michelle Obama. Oh, so similar to you. I'm going to will it into the future that we are going to meet in person. I think that you and Michelle Obama <laughs> will make me cry. Like I, I would die. Michelle I Obama say, you... or Serena Williams. Oh, Serena's lovely. You know, honestly, there's a handful of powerful black women. Abayla Davis. Another um, Queen person. Latifah. I mean, for me, there's some strong black women that have really inspired me that so there's a number of those. Michelle Obama, anytime, even if she's like being funny with a Muppet on Sesame Street, it makes me cry. She immediately makes me cry. You also evoke that same. Every time I see you on Aww. right here, I'm like, here comes Eureka. Oh, God. Aww, I love you for that. But You're yeah, so Michelle. sweet. No, it's true. I think because, you know, you and Michelle Obama... Like you got that like big heart energy where it's like vibrating from you, you know? I appreciate that, you know, because my heart is what I was torn down for my whole life. Like I just remember people always being like, you're too nice. You're too this. You need to toughen up. You know, my older sister's friends would literally like beat me up in the backyard just to like toughen me up as a boy. And I would just be like, I don't want to fight. I don't care. I love you. Blah, blah. And what are you talking about love? Blah, blah, you know, and I would just get so picked and pushed around for being this loving, gentle giant, right? Because I was always big. And, you know, I'm so glad I survived all that and still came out on the other side with the heart that I have. And I have to thank the big mamas in my life, you know, my mom and my grandmother who taught me how to fucking, excuse my language, survive through some crazy stuff because they both truly, I am a survivor of generational trauma. My mother being first generation from Germany, my grandmother being first generation from Ireland. It's like, you know, those women went through some things. Yo, and those they raised, first generation, those yeah. Irish women are no joke. Oh, they and she was, she was a big Irish woman with big old titties too, honey. And she, I was just telling my drag daughter this morning, she had this joke where she worked at a restaurant and they would be like, Janice, is the food ready? 
and she'd throw her titties up on the counter and she'd say, do I look like a service cow? Just because I got these udders don't mean I'm milking them for your pancakes, motherfuckers. Wait for it. And I'm, I can never get that out of my head now. It makes me laugh and want to cry and just celebrate my big old titties myself, you know? When I first moved to Los Angeles, the real L Word was still filming. I had only just finished the scripted L Word on Showtime, watching all of that on my uh, computer on, with DVDs. So old school. And um, I was slightly terrified. I was like, damn, if it's like the scripted version, I'm poor. And like, how am I going to move into a bungalow? And if it's really like the real version, I'm fucked because these people are sloppy and catty and they have like their tongues pierced. Um, It was the latter. (laughs) It was definitely a sloppy, catty scene. Um, And I, you know, going out to the here lounge, booby trap parties, the Abbey, Mickey's. I started to meet a lot of the cast. And one of those people was Rose Garcia. Rose on The Real L Word was the like real estate slanging, kind of had like drama filled relationships with her girlfriends, Los Angeles native. And I was intimidated when I saw her at the bar. I'm even trying to think like where I first met her. I think it was at Mickey's. And I was intimidated. One of my like tricks when I first moved to Los Angeles is I would completely act like I didn't know. I still actually do this if I'm being honest. I act like I don't know who they are. Like, full stop. So I went up to Rose. I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? I'm Liz, you know. Who are you? What do you do? You know, just to see. But honestly, Rose is so lovely. I've gotten, you know, to kind of know her over the years. And she's cool, you know. She's, like, normal. And the lesbian scene is so small in Los Angeles. So I've gotten to meet most of the cast. But Rose is always somebody that I'm delighted to see in person and always try to hit her up for things. And she's very much still in the scene. So I had to know what it was like then and now. What are the lesbian? I mean, because you just hosted Dinosaur for what I think is the I think you are like the longest standing Dinosaur like celebrity. 20 plus years before I was even on the real hours. Do you know yeah. I've never been? I think I I think I texted that to you. I've never been to Dinosaur. You're missing out. Honestly, this last Dinosaur was really different. Um, and I think because there was a lot of like Gen Zers that attended, it was it was because it was really not clicky before, but you would have like a lot of the L.A. lesbians show up and it was kind of like that L.A. vibe, if that makes sense. This year it was very kumbaya. Um, everyone got along. There was no clickiness. It was like a lot of folks went alone. So like we encouraged online if people are like, I don't have a friend to go with. We're like, come alone. I'm your wingman. No issues. You have a, you have a, a whole Dino squad. So we had a lot of like hundreds of people that went by themselves from all over the country. Rose, I got to tell you, even though I feel like I do know some lesbians, I would be terrified to go. I really would. No. I'd be like on. I would be so annoying like, hey, Rose, like, what are you guys doing? Like, want to meet up around the pool later? Um, <laughs> like, I would be so nervous and so clingy, I think. But that's what you do. And like I said, this fad, um, and I think it has to do with, honestly, this, like, next generation of this next wave of lesbians or, I, of course, I'm old school, LGBTQ plus folks that showed up. They're more welcoming. It's not like you show up with your friends and you have your little clique. They, were, they wanted to know everyone, say hello to everyone. You're walking in the hallway and it's like, hey, what's up? And I thought I knew them and I didn't. They're just like, just wanted to say good morning. And you're like, what the, what's going on here? Everyone was so nice and welcoming. It was completely different and awesome. Now, how are the TikToker, like, are you just like celesbian extraordinaire to them? Because I feel I'm like, like Godfather, like the like lesbian mafia Godfather, like uncle... <laughs> Uncle vibes, um, but I'm accepted, which is cool. Like they don't see me as you shouldn't be here. You should be like, you know, I don't know, processing a report or something at home. They like welcome me. Like, no, you're about house. to sell one of these millionaire bitches a fucking house. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, but they're they're super welcoming. Everyone, like I said, this new generation is so different than what I kind of grew up with. They're all about like inclusivity. They don't care. It's just like, if you're sweet and nice, let's have a good time. That's it. Is it hard for you to watch reality TV now or do you like love reality TV? I'm not, I love reality TV. 
I do. A lot of my friends are still on. And, you know, when we did our show, it was fixed just as a docuseries because um, Eileen wanted to sort of get in the lives of and show people that, like, even though the Elbert was a little outlandish with its storylines, but that there are, you know, successful lesbian women. At that time, she portrayed a lot more feminine, you know, more on that level, which is sort of old school. And then season two, she mixed it up a little bit and brought a little more diversity. But I think she wanted to show that that it's real life, uh, you know, with the title. But everyone, what I didn't like about the show is that even though we all knew each other, because I knew Mikey for at that point for maybe like 15 years, they didn't let us sort of integrate. Um, we kind of all had our own lane and our own production crew that we filmed with. Until we started going out, then Whitney and I would run into each other because, you know, it was inevitable. It was only one fun thing to do, which at the time was truck stop. Obviously, truck stop for those that are listening. I mean, oh boy. Essentially, it was coyote ugly for lesbians. Yeah, it was. And honestly, when I think back, like it was the prettiest, like the most good looking people ever in LA. I mean, everybody was hot. Even the the male bartenders, the girl bartenders, everybody was like, and for people that don't know, it was right next door to the Abbey, which used to be the Firehouse and then Here Lounge and now Chapel. A little LGBTQ history. Damn, Here Lounge. What a time. I, know I haven't been, the last time I went to the Abbey, I got so violently ill from like the one or two drinks that I had. And I just yeah. never, I haven't gone back, which... I feel like there is a resurgence. There is there there will be a moment when I step outside into the gay club, but I don't know. I was just there yesterday. You were at the Abbey yesterday? Yeah, I went for Sunday Funday. Would you? Ha- oh, Sunday Fun Girl. It's still a thing. I know. I know. I was at Catch LA for because now there's Catch Steak. I was at Catch for a brunch of a friend's birthday, and um, she's turning. We're all in our late forties. She's turning forty-seven or eight. I forgot what she is. And we're like, let's just pop in and see what's going on. We walked in there. We're like, how the fuck do we do this every Sunday for like a marathon, like from 2 p.m. to like 10, 10 p.m. And nobody did drugs. We were just like partying. I, yeah, it's funny. No, I was never on drugs. I would just, I mean, actually Fortune, Feemster and I, that's how I met her was at Sunday Funday at the Abbey. And oh my God, I just, I don't know how I did it. I would th- I would violently die. Like the I, still scary. It's like they pour like three quarters of like well alcohol and just give you like a little smidge of juice or whatever they put into it. And so, then you're just yeah. like, have a nice life. Like fucking, you're about to throw up. So when you go to Abbey, the Abbey on a Sunday fun day, or you go, obviously you go pretty much every year to Dinosaur. It sounds like everybody's inclusive and cool. Yeah. How does it feel? Like, do you feel like people you're you're such a staple in the LA scene? Like, are people still coming up to you and like strangers chatting with you? Or do you feel like people kind of leave you alone? Like that whole like almost like New York celebrity vibe? You're not no, really celebrity. everyone's like, like I'm their best friend. Like, come have a shot with me, come party, come in our room. Like it's nuts. They're it's still like I'm like, let it go, but lesbians don't let shit go. It's like crazy. But again, I think you were representation. And I think that's why I keep kind of going back to the Gen Z. It's like, I bet a lot of those young men, women, and everything in between, like, grew up with you. So the Gen Z folks are like, oh, I didn't know who you were. Or some of them are like, I just saw your show on Hulu or whatever it's on now. And um, they're like, oh, my God, you were crazy. Are you still like, you know, we do get a lot of the the little comments. If I'm with Whitney, it's even more so because she's more recognizable. But yeah, still at Dinah, a lot of folks want to take the photos and want to ask you questions. And is it real? You know, were you really like that? You know, did you guys really party that much? Like all that stuff. You're like, yeah, we actually. I'm like, I still am. Let's go do a shot. Let's go. <laughs> Was there ever a discussion about a real L word like reunion show or like a reunion? Mikey and I are still really good friends, like really good friends. I went to her wedding in St. Martin. So we're really, we're still, we talk all the time and hang out and do dinners and all that stuff. But we were friends before. Whitney has a kid now who's two. Little Mecca, who's yeah, so she, cute. She's in a different lane because she's busy with mom stuff. And, you know, but we we are still really good friends. Nikki and Jill, I kind of stopped talking to them after the show. 
But um, wait, can I tell you something so shady? Whatever, I'm going to put it on air. I don't care. Those women have pitched themselves to me, pitched themselves to me to interview them for what has to be at this point five, six years. It's crazy. They seem lovely, but I've never, like, I've never even pitched my own self that many times to go on a show. And I always say to them, and I mean it like, not even really trying to be shady. It's just sort of funny to be like pitched that hard. But I'm like, I don't know what we're supposed to talk about, babe. Like, I don't know. What are y'all up to? Don't you have like a bunch of kids? Like, we're you're fun, having a we're fun. Mickey, Mickey, because she's used to pitching. She's in the industry. She does, you know, commercial representation for directors. So she's used to that whole pitch thing. Uh, Jill's a writer. I mean, they're great, you know, successful moms, you know, out there. But again, the whole uncommon thing, like, I was in a different stage right. in life. So we really didn't have a lot in common. Same thing with Tracy and, and Sammy. Like, I love them, but we're, you know, they're moms. So Nikki and Jill, Tracy and Sammy, all them, I think, hang out. So Whitney and Mikey were my only folks that I kind of, you know, sort of kept in touch with. Along with, uh, like, Kiyomi and I are really good friends from season two. Romy and I still stay in touch. We're still really good friends. So we've all kind of, you know, developed our friendship. But we were all friends before. Most of us. Yeah. It's fun to sort of, you know, the other fun thing about L.A., from my perspective is like when I first got here, you guys, I think were still on the show or coming off. You and I had met, I'd met Whitney. We had kind of like the Bay area connection. There was yeah, like a lot of, yeah. yeah, there was a lot back there. You know, there was, I sort of like from a peripheral kind of watched that whole group. Like Sada has like two kids. Like there's all this Romy. Now Romy's dating fucking Angelina Jolie's. I think brother. I haven't spoken to her this week, but you know, with Romy, it's hard. It's hard to keep up with Romy. Love hard you, Romy. Romy follows. Romy goes with her heart, and then her head catches up like a week later. So that's how she works. I mean, I finally kind of figured it out at one point, and I looked at my wife. I'm like, you will never guess who Romy's date. I was like, guess the most famous adjacent person ever. She was like, what? I don't know. I'm like, it's it's Angelina Jolie's brother. She was like, they they dated when they were in their early 20s and they were madly in love. And it was like a whole thing. She had this like relationship with them. And then it poof ended. And then Romy became Romy and went through her whole Romy life. And Romy's dated a a lot of high profile people, some that I can't talk about, but she has, she needs to write a book and she is, she is straight up. Like I've always been bisexual. I've never been a lesbian. And I've known that, which is why season two, when they kind of gave her a bit of a hard time, I had her back and was like, no, she's always been openly bisexual. That's never, you know, she kind of got a bad, she kind of got a bad deal when folks kind of chastised her for that. Yeah. We'll see who she's with this week. I love her to death, but she's. I mean, I'm obsessed. She dated my friend Crybaby Boy, who I yes, just, they had, too. who they just, that was a whole thing. That oh, was I a love- whole thing, but they were friends and they should have stayed friends. They were friends for many years. And that was like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work. And it didn't, but they, they're friends again. So that's good. It is, but it's just the, the LA lesbian scene is so funny. It's an intimidating one. It's definitely like, like you said, like, it's nice to hear that Dinosaur is more inclusive and open. I think, you know, when I've met other queer folks from other states, they're just like the L.A. gay scene. I'm like, yeah, it is exactly what you think it is. It really it's intimidating. is. It is. But I think a lot of it has to do with like I'm born and raised in L.A. So I'm I'm more like welcoming if I see a new face, if I see someone at the bar I haven't seen before, go up and say hi, like, just be cool. A lot of that clickiness, I think, is from folks that aren't from here and kind of develop that whole thing, you know, because we're a little bit of a melting pot of people coming here from all over the place. But I do see it, again, with this generation, it's a little less clicky and a little less intimidating. This new crop of folks are a lot nicer and more accepting, a lot, a lot nicer than we were back in the day. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Maybe I'll dust off the old... Uh... Manolos and we were very mean, mean girls. They're not going to know what Manolos are. That's the only thing. Like they have I know. Them. See, I I think the problem, and you're bouge too. I am. I think, I'm wearing the Rolex. I got it. No, you know, it's like I. That's the other problem with me. I'm just fucking an old bougie lady. You know, 
I'm like, I just wanna... there's room, there's room for, I'm an old bougie lady too. And there's room for us there. So what do we do? Because this is where I love following you. Cause you're like, I'm drinking this amazing red wine. I'm going to the vineyard. I'm like, yeah, Rose, that's my shit. Let's hang out. Like what, where do we, cause that's the thing with dinosaurs. I'm like, whoa, that pool looks very gross. No, don't go in the pool. Rule number one. <laughs> if you're over the age of 30, don't go in the dinosaur pool. And then of course, still can't handle it. And then I think I said this to you as well. Like, I don't really do like gen pop. Like, yeah. I'm gonna need a seat, a designated area. I would love for someone to walk me through a specific door. Like, I'm a brat. I've also worked my ass off to become this way. And like, trust me, have stood in lines for a million hours to get we in do the have fucking connections for our people. So that is if you were to okay. go to any party or any festival or event such as Diner or anywhere else, even Girls in Wonderland. Girls and Babes in Wonderland looks terrifying. Okay, so Girls in Wonderland is if Dinosaur and I can't think of, if Dinosaur had a Florida baby. (laughs) And the reason why it's a little crazier, you have to understand, Florida has a lot of colleges. You know, there's a lot of schools in Orlando. So you get a lot of these college-age girls who are like, oh my God, lesbian event. Then you get all the New Yorkers that fly down because it's closer. So you get New Jersey, New York, Philly, all those East Coast girls. They all come down. The ones in Florida who are in college. Put that all together and it's the best shit show you've ever seen in your life. Would you do reality again? Honestly, no. I don't think so. We didn't make a lot of money. You know what I mean? And at the time, it worked for me because the market was down. Right? It was 0809. So it's like, fuck am I going to do? All right, why not do this show? And the market picked back up and we've had a bull market for the last, you know, 12, 13 years. And yeah, so I think it would just take away too much from my business and wouldn't be worth it. I don't think I'm going to make it on reality TV. Rachel has told me full stop she will never go on reality TV. And she's also told me I would be very boring and not a very good reality TV person. So I think that ship potentially has sailed. Rose and I did discuss us creating like a bougie queer women show. And if people would watch that, that would be way more up my alley. Like, how do I, (laughs) you know, how do I be like essentially like a housewife, but all queer women? I think it'd be interesting, maybe. But I, I, I don't know. I think maybe that would work. But other than that, I think those those days have passed for me. And if I'm being honest with you, I've seen how reality TV changes people firsthand. I don't think we can all really believe that it doesn't. And I'm not saying that it necessarily changes people for the bad or for the good. It's just like, how could you be yourself or a version of yourself on national television or on a large streaming network and not be changed after that? I went down a rabbit hole looking for Irene from the real world to see what she was up to now. And I was praying for an interview. It looks like, surprise, surprise, she has a podcast. She has done a one-woman show about going to therapy after the real world. She created a couple of very, very, very cringy, like, mommy rap tracks, which I wish I hadn't found. Uh, And I reached out to her via Twitter a couple of times to no avail. So, Irene, if you're listening, call me. Um... This is obviously not going to be the end of me talking to reality stars, but I do think it begs the question, like, are these fan favorites that are flawed, and that's why we love them, versions of what we think we would see in ourselves on TV, and that's why we love them? I don't know. You tell me. 